Well, if you have your Bibles, turn, if you would, to the book of Acts in chapter 12. And if you would, when we're done reading, we'll have prayer. Keep your Bibles open because we're going to be doing a lot with these scriptures that we read this morning. The power of prayer. Acts 12 and beginning at verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. When he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. When Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, sentry before the door regarding the prison. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him, saying, get up quickly. The chains fell off his hand. The angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. He said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done was by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they passed through the first and second ward, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened from them of its own accord, and they went out and went along the street, and immediately the angel left him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you for the family of God, regardless of the denomination a person might be or what church they attend. We thank you that through you, we are part of the family of God. We thank you for our salvation. Be with this message today. Lord, my heart's desire is that people will come to realize the power of prayer. Not only at this time, but days ahead, as we think of Pastor Chris and what he's enduring. The church and decisions are being made. Please, Lord, just have each of us today as a part of the body of Christ pray and that you work in a mighty way in the areas we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember reading some years ago about a man who was such an excellent speaker and such a dynamic and charismatic man that the word about him is that he could even build a great church if there were no God. Well, quite honestly, that is not a compliment. I believe it all myself when you think of the age of technology, all the methods that we have learned today, all the seminars that a person can go to, all the how to do it better articles that are found in the leadership magazines, with all of that, if we're not careful, we'll lose sight of the real center of what God wants to do in and through the church. If you search the scriptures very thoroughly, you'd see that things that are done in ministry, apart from prayer, are very little, none at all. Now listen to that, there's nothing prompted without prayer in the word of God. Everything God does in the work of the ministry, he does it through prayer. Prayer is the way you defeat the devil. Prayer is the way that you acquire wisdom. Prayer is the way that you get backsliders restored. Prayer is the way that saints get strengthened. Prayer is the way that laborers are sent into the mission field. Prayer is how we cure the sick, how we cure personal problems. Prayer is how to accomplish the impossible. Now that is only a small list of the great listing of the things that God in diverse and divine methods brings about through prayer. Everything that God wants to do that is worth doing. Everything that God wants to do in the church. Everything that God wants to do in your life, all of it is conquered through prayer. I'm reminded of a little paradigm I had read some time ago. 
What we do for the Lord is entirely dependent upon what we receive from the Lord. And what we receive from the Lord is entirely dependent on what we are in the Lord. And what we are in the Lord is entirely dependent on the time we spend alone with the Lord in prayer. Prayer is indispensable for the work of God. These words are written by Peter Kreft, who used to be the author and professor of Boston College philosophy. He says it this way, and I quote, I strongly suspect that of all the difference that even the tiniest prayers make, of all the people those prayers affect, of all the consequences that those prayers have down through the centuries, if we could see all of those things, we'd be so paralyzed with the power of prayer that we would never get off of our knees the rest of our lives. Understand the power of prayer, end of quote. I think of the quote of Martin Luther years ago, who said to be a Christian without praying is no more possible than be alive without breathing. Prayer is essential in the life of a child of God. Now at this particular time in our reading, the tension in the church had begun to grow between the culture in which the church was being grown and the church itself. The Jewish people were even upset over the growth of the church. They did not understand that it was the work of God. Matter of fact, they thought it was a false teaching. And it was the purpose of Herod to get rid of all the evidence because the church had started to grow, making impact in the community. And as the book of Acts says, it was turning its world upside down for Jesus. Now as we begin to read Acts chapter 12, let's look at a couple of verses again. Verse one, notice Herod's plan. At that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Now stop a moment. Herod the king had decided the way to deal with the growing church and the problems it was causing and the impact it was making in the city, the way to do that, he said, is by beginning to persecute the Christians and the big names to begin with. So he'd get rid of the big names in the spiritual kingdom, so to say, and he would squelch this thing of a growing church very quickly. So Herod had a plan to bring violence to the church. Now in verse two, he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. So he intended to bring violence to the church, and he did bring violence to the church by the prosecution of James. Verse three, he saw it pleased the Jews. He proceeded to arrest Peter also during the days of the unleavened bread. He discovered that the killing of the James was happy to the people that now he was going to also kill Peter after the Passover. Now let's stop a moment and go back a little bit into the history of Peter and his being in jail. There's a great thing about his being in jail. It's not the incarceration, but the unique way that he is released from jail. Remember you would, Acts chapter five, he's in jail. The angel came at night, took him out of the prison, and when the guards began to look for him the next day, they found him in the temple teaching the word of God. And so Peter has this present record of getting released, and Herod says he's not going to do it again. I'm going to be certain that he stays in prison, so he makes ways to be sure that he never is released. Okay, look at verse 6 again. <clears throat> Let's start with verse 4, excuse me. When he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. When Herod was about to bring him out on the very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the sentries before the door were guarding the prison. I'll begin to unpack these verses in a moment, but notice back at verse four if you would. There are four quads or squads of soldiers that are going to be sure that Peter doesn't get out of prison. I mean, 16 in all, four shifts of four. They're watching to be sure there's no way that Peter is going to escape. Now tell me what I think. <clears throat> I think that God puts us 
in impossible situations so that God will get the glory and the honor. Now, if we have a problem that we can somewhat work out humanly, some way man can help us, when we're done getting out of that situation, we kind of give a tip to God. Thank you for helping me in this situation. But when we have a problem that there is no way at all to get out of that except by the hand of God, then we see that God gets all the glory, the honor, and all the credit that is due him. Well, in verse 7, the angel tells Peter to get up quickly. The chains fell off his hands. Verse 8, the angel tells him to put a robe and sandals on. Verse 9, Peter follows the angel and leads him out of the prison. I'll stop there a moment. Acts chapter 12 teaches probably as much as any chapter in the Bible the power of God. But as you go through this text, you secondly understand that God's power is completely dependent upon the interceding saints. God is going to do a work. He's about to do an impossible work in this area of Peter. But before he does it, there is a group of people at the house of Mary that are praying for their pastor. And that prayer has a great amount, if not solely the amount, of Peter's being released. Look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God for him. When he realized, excuse me, verse 12, when he realized this, the thing, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, and there many were gathered together and were praying. Okay, God's about to intervene in the life of Peter. But you have to understand that God is going to intervene because there are people in Mary's house that are interceding for him in prayer. God has hardwired this world to work through prayer. Now understand, if we short-circuit prayer, then God would not do all that he would have us to do. I personally believe with all of my heart and you'd have to do a lot to get me to think differently. I believe that Peter would have been executed the day after the Passover if it had been not for these people in the house of Mary praying for Peter. Well, there's a unique thing about this prayer meeting. First of all, it's united. Verse 12 tells us that. They were united in prayer, gathered together as a group of people praying. Now, individual prayer is so important. If you're a child of God today, I trust that you know the value of prayer. The Bible talks about our prayer closet. There ought to be a place that every believer gets alone with God and takes their needs and grows with intimacy with God. I don't mean just praying at a table. A place you get alone and take your thoughts and your deeds and and your honest hurts to God and God provides through that prayer. There is a secret prayer closet. But also there's a lot to be said and taught in the Bible about having corporate prayer where the people of God in the church with one accord raise their voice to God over a special situation. In this case, I would say probably the special situation is Pastor Chris, where God's people join together with one accord and they pray. It was united prayer. Next, it was an unceasing prayer. These people gathered together and prayed throughout tonight. I was believed that as soon as dusk came, these people gathered in Mary's house and were praying. And Bible scholars, I'm not sure how they determined this, but feel that Peter had arrived at the house of Mary somewhere about four o'clock in the morning. So the entire night they are praying for Peter, gathered in the house, giving unceasing prayer. We see also verse five, it was a earnest prayer, meaning a very urgent prayer to God. There is intensity in their prayer. They're not saying prayers like, Lord, thank you for the food, amen. Uh, Lord, help me through this night, amen. They were intense. They were giving their cries of the heart to God to intervene in this particular area. God, please don't take Peter, our pastor. We need him. 
We don't want him to be killed as James was. Please intercede, God. Please save the life of our pastor Peter. And time was running out. So they prayed for him, and they prayed earnestly and specifically. I read about a Christian leader by the name of Carl Bates. He said this, there came a time in my life I prayed, God, I want your power. He said time wore on and power didn't come. One day the burden was more than I could bear. God, please answer my prayer to have your power. And God seemed to whisper back to me and said, with no bigger plans than you have, you don't need my power. He went on to say one of the reasons we don't have God's power in our life and ministry is because we don't have a God-sized vision in our prayers. The impossible is done through God. Go to him earnestly and go to him specifically. They prayed to God for Peter. How much do you pray a general prayer? I hope you don't do that. Uh, Lord, help our church, amen. Uh, God, help me at work tomorrow, amen. Uh, Lord, help my family, amen. Be specific. Lord, there's this problem, my work. This person or this situation, please help me in this area. God, our country has many problems, but here's the ones I specifically bring to you and ask your help. God, our church has many things it needs, but right now specifically, we need a healing in the life of Pastor Chris. Lord, we come to you specifically for what we need. They were very specific about their prayer. I don't think they prayed about anything else except Peter in that evening. Verse 10, they passed through the first and second guard. They came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Now notice those words, it opened of its own accord. The first automatic gate opener ever heard of. The Lord just clicked his little button, that gate opened up, and Peter and the angel go outside of the gate, and the angel now leaves Peter. He's on his own. Okay, verse 11. Peter came to himself. He said, I know, I know that the sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. Now he says, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. Now, I want to drop back a little bit and see some of the characters or participants in our story. First of all, we see in verse 6, Peter, he's asleep. Three times that I could think of in the Bible or New Testament that Peter slept. He slept on the Mount of Transfiguration. <clears throat> we could humanly say, what a shame. <clears throat> Such great things happening, he falls asleep. Uh, he fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, we'd say, what a shame. Christ is going to be arrested. In the hours to come, he's going to be crucified, and Peter falls asleep. The third time he falls asleep is the story, and he is to be commended. The next day he's going to be executed, and he calmly falls asleep. Could we do that? Be honest. Knowing for whatever reason you're going to die tomorrow morning, and yet you go and fall asleep peacefully, that's what happened to Peter because he knew the promises of God, and he personally knew the power of the Spirit, and he knew he could never be in any greater hands than in the hands of Almighty God. So he falls asleep. Next, look at Rhoda. Look at verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and praying. He knocked at the door uh, at the, over the gateway, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Rhoda is so excited. She leaves Peter standing on the porch. She runs into the prayer meeting, and said, hey, Peter is out at the gate. Be quiet, girl, we're praying. No, I'm telling you, Peter is outside at the gate. He wants in, we could get him. 
be quiet. We're praying for him. Just a young girl. They just thought she was foolish. She kept saying, insisting, no, it's him. Verse 15, you're out of your mind. Rhoda, you're absolutely nuts. But she kept insisting, it says, that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. The temperature of their faith in their prayer is shown right here. Pray the entire night for Peter to be released. He's now released, and they doubt it. Are our prayers any different than that? Things we pray for, and when God answers, we're kind of amazed that he did it. We need to pray with the faith, the temperature of faith that trust God that is going to work this miracle. Verse 16, well, Peter continued knocking. They opened, they saw him, were amazed, mentioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and said, tell these things to James, to the brothers, and departed and went to another place. One of the great times in the history of the New Testament church. Verse 18, look at the soldiers now. When the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers of what had come of Peter. Now the problem is that the guards who would release or had a prisoner released under their jurisdiction were liable to the same punishment as the person that was in prison. So we see that these soldiers were going to be killed. They were scared. Peter, he's loose and we are probably going to face death. Well, you'll notice if you would in verse 19 that Herod is angry. Herod does put him to death. Now, whether all 16 soldiers are put to death or just the four on that shift, they are put to death. Now, notice this important thing. At this particular time in the church, they are in the midst of a power struggle. Over here is Herod. The Bible says he's going to bring violence against the church. And over here, the church went to praying. Now, the post-trip of this story is in verse 23. Amazing how God worked here. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, Herod is speaking of, because he did not give God the glory. He was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Verse 1, Herod is bringing violence against the church. Verse 23, God brings his violence against Herod and Herod is killed. And the only difference, as you work in scripture, the only difference between verse 1 and verse 23 is the prayer of God's people. That brought about this great miracle. Charles Spurgeon says this, prayers are measured by weight and not length. Short prayers are long enough. It's not the length, but strength and power is desirable. It's not how long you pray, but do you have the power of God in your prayers? These people prayed and we see that God intervened. So over here, the power of Satan. Over here, we as believers, over here is the power of God, and in between are your and my prayers, the power of prayer. Satan is no match for a group of any men or women who will commit themselves to intense, urgent prayer. Set free the power of God. Robert Lawrence said this, let's move from theology to neology. Power for victory in spiritual warfare is found in prayer. Praise God, there's so many things we need in our lives, <clears throat> so many things you need <clears throat> here at the Oaks. We need to take it to the Lord in prayer. And one of the reasons we have powerless Christians and powerless churches and impossible situations in churches and in our own lives is we're trying to do everything in our own way except God's way. And that is to get on our knees to God and learn the power of prayer. I trust everyone here today that truly knows Christ that you today will determine that you are going to experience the power of prayer. Go to the throne of God. Let your heart be known. Your secret prayer, but also 
as a corporate prayer, trusting God to intervene. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such a simple message, but what a lesson is given here in this chapter of Acts. So many things each of us need and should pray for. Father, I pray now specifically in our prayers that you work in the life of Pastor Chris. Pray that we corporately as well as individually will continue to pray for him, your healing in his life. Continue to bless Pastor Seth and the elders and the decisions that will be made the days ahead. Continue to put your mighty hand of blessing upon this church. We thank you, Lord, that you are concerned about our every need and that we held the openness of coming and talking to you and feeling and knowing your presence. And thank you for your answered prayers you give. In Jesus' name, amen.